Hi, welcome back to another episode of Hearts on Our Sleeves. I'm Paula. And I'm Karis. Thank you for joining us. We've had a couple of quite deep, intense episodes, and today mm. we just wanted to have a little bit more fun. So today we thought we would talk about shoes. I've had a journey with shoes recently, trying to find some good sustainable ones. We just wanted to share all the information we've learnt. So yeah, like Paula said, this series we're talking about the areas of fashion that don't get as much airtime, and shoes is one of them and it's definitely something we wanted to give time to kind of talk about a bit more in depth. I know we've sort of mentioned shoes along, you know, the various podcasts we've done. Yeah, they don't get as much airtime and I feel like they're slightly behind clothing mm, yeah. in terms of becoming more sustainable and ethical. Well, so we think. Let's let's see what we found out about shoes. Cool. Do you want to start how we normally do? Yeah. So this is quite exciting because Paula and I are actually in the same room. <gasps> First time in months. Feels um, weird, but nice. Yeah. And we both are wearing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unplanned. Virtually the same. But yeah, so I am wearing black dungarees that are like cropped. And they're Lucy and Yak ones. If you're a big Lucy and Yak fan, they're the Rust Remy's. And I dyed them black when I was doing a big dye bath off of old grain whites. Yeah, and they look really cool. And I'm also wearing a um, stripey Know the Origin t-shirt. So it's one of their originals. And yeah, it's one of those that I love. m and underwear, as usual. <laughs> That's all I'm wearing, really. Snap. So I'm also wearing black dungarees. I got mine on Depop. And they were very long because I'm a short little person. So I had to take them up. I took the straps up, but I really could do with taking the legs up as well, the bottom, the hem up. And then I'm wearing a kind of knitted orange and black t-shirt that I got from like a vintage store. It's really nice. And I love that. I'm wearing, oh, jewellery. I'm wearing this necklace I got in a Croatian market that I probably won for. I'm wearing secondhand earrings and I'm wearing, this is a new one. I've never worn this on the podcast before, but this is like a gold choker necklace that I got on Worth, spelt W-E-A-R-T-H, which is a gorgeous like ethical store online. It's super lovely and you should all go check out. They they might do some clothes, but they do like ethical jewellery and uh, cosmetics and body care and stuff. Really lovely. Lovely. So, yeah. so is that was it made in the UK that? This one was this necklace was made by a little company, like independent company in Brighton, and they do mm. like ethical jewellery. Nice. Yeah. Lovely. We're not really and wearing any shoes. shoes. Yeah. Well I wore shoes when I came over here. So I was wearing some trainers. I'll probably talk about it in a minute. I got them. I was looking if you are a long time listener of the podcast, I'm sure I've talked about my hunt for trainers for ages. Yeah. My only other trainers were glued together because they I had them for so long. And I finally find a company that make trainers out of recycled plastic bottles. However, I couldn't find enough info about their labour and their ethics, even though their sustainability was really good. But I love their shoes and they are kind of cool and they're like, I just love the look and I like that they were mm. made out of a cool material. And they're from a company called Tropic Feel and they're made in Spain. But I just wasn't 100% sure about their ethics. So I looked on Depop. There was only two in the UK on Depop from the whole company. Only two people were selling Tropic Feel shoes in the UK. One of them was my exact size and the exact colour that I was that I wanted. She never wore them. She got them on a holiday and couldn't go on a holiday. And so she was just selling them and I got what? them. That's so, amazing. I have a special gift when it comes to secondhand clothes. You absolutely do. We, I think we've probably talked about this before, but <laughs> Paula is great because you got some amazing Birkenstock from a uh, charity, charity shop, shop as well, yeah. didn't you? And uh, this is the thing, like... Uh, well, I mean, we'll talk about shoes now. Secondhand shoes. That's not something I would have, like, yeah. initially gone for. I guess they, they're they only but... secondhand in terms of someone bought them before me. 
but she never even wore them. She never them, even wore them, so yeah. Really, I got them new, but I didn't have to buy into a company that I wasn't 100% sure about. Yeah. Although they seem good, but I just wasn't 100% sure, yeah. so I didn't want to commit. Yeah, that's a note to all the ethical brands out there. Yeah. Make it really transparent because... You'll lose business. You will lose business, especially as we go deeper and deeper into um, these conversations. So last week, as Paula said, we did quite a deep episode about um, just everything that's been going on at the moment. So if you've not listened to that yet, please do go ahead and listen to it. It's quite a long one. But, I mean, we just talk about, you know, everything that's been going on in the fashion world, RE coronavirus, and also, you know, what's been going on with Boohoo, but then as well the Black Lives Matter movement. And we kind of touched on briefly what how that is linked to the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. We're going to leave it there for a bit. We'll come back to it at some point, but we wanted to just carry on with our theme for this series. We don't really have an update of what's going on, I guess. But there is plenty, so... There is plenty. <laughs> go, go and we'll have a look. About it soon. So, yeah. So, shoes! Where do we begin? Yeah, well, should we talk about, like, our relationship with shoes? What's your relationship with shoes, Karis? Funny relationship with shoes. As we all know, we are all different sizes, shapes, heights, etc. And I am someone who has normal-sized feet, I guess. Normal, I don't know. Standard size, but very, very wide calves. And also slightly wide feet, but not wide enough for wide feet shoes. So I personally have always struggled to find shoes okay. that I like that fit me. Growing up, there was a pair of boots that New Look did that I'd always buy. I mean, looking back now, <laughs> just mm. like so embarrassed. But they're, you know, they're like tan leather style ones yeah, yeah. that go like halfway up your leg. And that was my kind of style back nice. then. So I'd always buy them because they fit me. And they were the only brand of boots that actually fit my calves <laughs> mm. so I'd, I'd always wear them and then I guess I wore trainers a bit lots of cheap dolly shoes as a kid yeah, yeah. I think that was kind of that style when we we're at school was that sort of like yeah cheap black dolly shoe I tried to find shoes that I could wear to school at the yeah. same time I like, get away with wearing at school I swear they hurt me now though they're basically like a millimeter off the ground yeah like why were they comfortable exactly <laughs> yeah especially the ones I bought back in the day probably like Primark or something but yeah so I, I always struggled and I think uh, you probably the same but like when I started my ethical journey of like looking for good brands I'd look at shoe brands and they'd be like hundreds of pounds and mm. I'd just be like ah oh, I'm not even gonna go there yeah. sort of saying that that's next on my agenda because that's way too expensive for me at the time I cannot afford that so it's really only been in the last like couple of years maybe three or four years where I've actually found brands that I like that I can afford and started to buy shoes from them so my sort of go-to at the moment is Pozu I think they're part uh, one of their founders is um, Safia Mini who also oh I didn't know that she did it yeah People Tree so I think she's not the main found like she's not the sole founder but I think she helped set up the business cool which is why I found out about them but yeah so they've got good ethics and they make their shoes out of different materials that are alternative to the kind of standard shoe material and they're reasonably affordable. I often try and wait for the sales because I still can't really afford them at full price but they've got shoes that I like and I've got actually three pairs of their trainers now, so they will hopefully last me a reasonably long time. And yeah, also, yeah. Adams found shoes from them as well, okay. which is great because they do menswear as well. So that's kind of me. What about you? I think similar. So, I mean, growing up, I mean, I don't remember as a kid, but I think as a teenager, I just bought whatever I thought was cool. So I remember having Converse, 
Toms. Do you remember Toms? Oh, yeah. Definitely went through several pairs of Toms. I liked those. I liked Vans, kind of trainers. Mm. I don't know. I just, I didn't think about it. I just bought what was kind of cool. I saved yeah. up to get, you know, new Converse and new pair of Vans. And that's what I liked wearing and thought they looked good. And then I, as I got into more sustainable fashion, shoes just didn't occur to me. Like, I almost didn't categorise it in the same bracket as fashion. And even though two, you know, three years ago, I'd finally stopped buying from high street stores altogether. But I still, I remember I bought a pair of like Nike trainers recently bought, recently as in three years ago now, bought a pair of leather Doc Martens and didn't think at all about the ethics of it. For some reason, it didn't sit in the same place as fashion did in my brain. And it was only, to be fair, after I bought my Doc Martens, I'm just like, oh, is that okay? And just I really started to question it and think about it and like look into it a bit more. So now I'm at a place where luckily this, those shoes that I bought, those Nike trainers and those Doc Martin boots lasted have lasted me mm. a very long time because they were investment pieces. And now I'm at a point where I'm just really, really trying to take care of the shoes that I have or like the trainers, I went on a really long journey of trying to find a good brand. Yeah. I got lucky with those finding a pair on Depop that were brand new. But that's where I'm at now. I'm just really trying to take care of what I've got and keep it in good condition. So my Doc Martin boots, which I love, they are gorgeous. They're such a beautiful piece and they were expensive. Mm. I basically wore them for like three winters in a row pretty much every day. And because of my work, it was more of a slight casual office. I just wore them at work as well. The soles are actually coming apart a bit, so they're not they're really, fully yeah. sealed. So I'm going to take them to like a... Co- is a cobbler the right word? Yeah, yeah, cobbler. Yeah. I nearly said tailor, but um, a shoe repair person. I'm trying to get them fixed. Yeah, as Cara said, I managed to find Birkenstock secondhand in a charity shop, which I loved. And I looked online and I made like a baking soda kind of cream. You, you like add water and you use baking soda. And I like thoroughly cleaned the shoes. Amazing. Um, That's you, a good tip. Yeah, you can look up how you can take yeah. Birkenstock sandals and stuff. So that's where I'm at. I'm just trying to look after the shoes that I've got and not buy new ones until I really, really need them. That was a long journey, but <laughs> that's where I'm at at the minute. That's really funny you say, talking about going taking your shoes to the cobbler because um, when I was younger, I used to take my new look boots to the cobbler. Oh, yeah. Which was so lame because they were about 20 quid mm-hmm. like when I bought them and it cost me 20 quid to get the soles <laughs> repaired. And they would never last because the material was so yeah, rubbish. Like, yeah. I genuinely re- remember thinking this material is rubbish, like it's not going to last. But I remember going like once or twice to get them done just because I just couldn't be bothered to find another pair of boots because right. it was just such an you effort. Liked those. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it, shoes? Because our relationship, even though obviously it's clothing, it is different with shoes because T-shirts and things, you kind of, you can get through lots of different t-shirts and obviously they'll last you a long time but shoes you wear like every day you're probably going to be wearing the same pairs over and over and actually we're going to get a lot more use out of them in relation to like all the t-shirts we wear because we might have like 10 or 15 different t-shirts but only three pairs of shoes maybe i don't know what your shoe collection is like Mm. for a very long time i only had like two or three pairs of shoes because i just the effort of like trying to find another pair of shoes that i liked yeah yeah was just like too much actually thinking about it i I didn't mention um heels Mm -hmm. um i have i found again because my wide foot not quite wide but slightly wide foot um problem i found a pair of clark shoes clark's heels a certain style that fit me well and like for a period in my life i was going to quite a few weddings so i'd always like whenever they'd release a new color i'd be like okay i know that shoe fits i have every color that's what the old-fashioned thing is so it's harder, I think, to find shoes mm. generally. 
And then when we put sustainable fashion into the mix, obviously yeah. that's where we want to go. Then that sometimes yeah. becomes even harder. So this is kind of like a good way to talk about it, I guess. Yeah. Good reason to talk about it because, you know, we don't want it to be a problem for you guys. And, and like we we're willing to put the effort in to find out what's good and what's out there mm-hmm. so that you guys can just understand and yeah. say, OK, well, these are brands that I can buy from but also get a bit more background into why we think it's important to not just buy high street shoes because there's a lot to it. If you're at a place in your life where you are buying New Look boots or Vans or any of the brands that we've said, like we're not here to make any judgments on those things whatsoever because mm. as we've said, we bought those up yeah. to really recently and only now are we re- rethinking that because that's the point in our life we're at. And so if you if that's all you've got, like as I, I said, all I have is now mainstream brand shoes. Mm. There's no shame in that. I'm just making sure that I'm taking as good care of them as possible to make them as sustainable as possible, even if they weren't made in the best way. We're not here to judge anyone for their shoe choices whatsoever because we've got all kinds of shoes. We're just here yeah. to try and shed a bit of light on the issue. Pave the way, I guess, because there's a lot to it. And this is yeah. why we're doing it in this series, is because it's the types of fashion that don't get as much airtime, mm-hmm. but are still important. Yeah. So, yeah. What should we talk about first? Should we, we look at the, like, environmental side of shoes? And I learned a lot this week reading about environmental stuff about shoes, because it really, the facts really blew me away. Absolutely. I have a fact here. Yeah. Let's begin with this fact. A single shoe can contain approximately 65 different parts Oh my word, wow. That yeah. can require approximately 360 processing steps for assembly. Oof. That is something that I never even considered. Just one pair. Yeah, one pair of shoes. And we're talking about obviously the fabric, but then you've got potentially the different layers on the soles. You've got the different layers. If you've got like um, different colours of fabric at the front, you might have a leather and a softer fabric. Mm-hmm. You've got all the metal components. You've got the laces, you've got the trims. So there's actually can be quite a lot that goes into them. Yeah. Not to mention the glues and the thread mm-hmm. that stitch them all together. So yeah, that, that blew me away. Can contain, obviously some shoes are made of a lot less, but this quote is actually from bettershoes.org and they've got um, loads of like information all about shoes ethics materials all that kind of stuff if you want to have a look at it it's bettershoes.org so there are more than 25 billion pairs of shoes that are manufactured every year wow which is a huge amount Uh, that was reported by the guardian most of them are made in developing countries and of that 15 million pairs of those are trainers so a huge amount of the shoes that are produced are trainers oh that kind of makes sense i guess yeah which are almost the ones that have those different complex materials and Mm. stuff in it and but obviously coming with that there's a huge amount of waste involved in producing that many pairs of shoes every single year and also a huge amount of carbon emissions one pair of trainers produces about 30 pounds of carbon emissions to just produce one pair and that's equivalent to Roughly leaving a 100 watt light bulb burning for a week. Oh. Yeah. And they always say turn your lights off. But yeah. if you left it burning for a week, the, no, shoes. <laughs> the same energy it would be to yeah. to make a pair of trainers. Um, and then also the water involved is a lot. Um, we'll probably go into more of that in a minute. Yeah. But to make like an average pair of leather shoes, it takes 2,110 gallons of water to make one pair of shoes which is roughly about 
leaving your shower running for 11 hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Better Shoes um, report says that one example of more environmentally friendly shoes is one made using fabric that has been dyed with waterless methods. Right. So a lot of the water consumption comes from dyeing and tanning. Mm-hmm. You don't even think about that, really, dyeing fabrics no. for shoes. But yeah, that's a big thing. And also going back to the um, the carbon footprint, a lot of shoes um, are produced in Asian countries like China, where coal and other unsustainable mm. energy sources are still widely used. You've got the problem of how much carbon they produce. But actually, if, if those countries aren't moving towards greener energies then that's also a problem as well yeah um i know portugal's a big country for making shoes they're actually one of europe's largest like shoe manufacturers okay. they actually ran on 50.4 percent renewable energy in 2015 and it's growing rapidly so this report is quite old yeah so they in 2015 ran on 50.4 renewable percent renewable energy and that number has been growing over the years so that's great because obviously you know we've got this massive problem with carbon emissions but actually if we can turn to renewable energy right then that cuts out you know a whole lot of our problems great and things like packaging shoes they come in a box that there's then packaged in another box and probably a plastic bag and so do you often shoes are something that now more and more people buy online and ship internationally so again that's there's problems with packaging there's yeah, problems just think with, of all the shoe boxes yeah your carbon all those what was it two point twenty five billion pairs <laughs> made billion. a year also yeah. not all of them are shipped but i mean well they all have to come to a shop or something eventually mm. and then all the, the fossil fuel emission from that shipping and worldwide travel and it just really really adds up there's a real culture of constantly wanting new shoes that mm. is equal to almost the high demand on the fast fashion industry it applies to shoes as well and yeah. that's why it's interesting that we say we never really considered it to be one in the scene but it is yeah. such a bad contributor to global warming yeah we we are just looking to see what things we can do to change and MIT did um, some research and they said that 68% of the greenhouse gas emissions generated by shoemaking actually comes in the manufacturing process mm. which is what, what you were talking about Karis about how there's all different types of materials that need to be treated and, and so we're not even talking about the extraction of those materials but the actual using them in the manufacturing process is what yeah. causes such a high a high carbon emission. Yeah. Which leads to then real problems when we want to get rid of the shoes. When we're done with them and they're not fashion yeah. anymore, what happens? You know? Yeah. It, it's crazy because um, thinking about, obviously, your charity shop shoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're great at finding shoes, like, secondhand. That's amazing. But I don't just, know how. It just happens to me. It's got a skill. It's a gift. It's, I want some of that. <laughs> but when I was thinking about it, I was like, when have I ever bought shoes secondhand? And actually, I don't know if I ever have. Like, I borrowed sister's shoes and stuff. But I think there's even less of a culture in our society mm. to buy secondhand shoes than yeah, there is to buy really secondhand is. clothes. So when we're, like, thinking about the end of life of shoes... We're not really, in the grand scheme of things, you know, passing them on to be worn again. Quite often they're being thrown away. And the BetterShoes.org company estimated that only 5% of shoes are being recycled. And that's nothing. Like, if you think of all those millions of shoes that are, like, being made every day, if only 5% are being recycled, then 95% of them are going to landfill or being burnt. And they're made of leather, glues, you know, yeah. metals, all sorts. 
that's I think there's a real problem we have there with with the waste side of things as well so it's when we think about making new clothes or buying clothes we've got to think not just about okay how they were made but also we've got to start thinking about how are they going to be disposed of because if we can't dispose of them well then at the end of the day that they might be ethical for now but for the environment in you know 10 15 20 years time or even 100 years time have we done a good thing and it's something I've never really considered before until like I started you know thinking more carefully about my shoes it's just such an effort to try and find a good pair of shoes that you like and that fit you and then when you have to start thinking about okay but what happens at the end of life or how are they made it does bring a lot of problems like into the mix and it's probably why we have to like think for ages before but like you said thought for a very long time before you bought those trainers because you know it takes effort but maybe that's just you know what we have to do I've kind of got to that point where I'm like okay well I know that I might need a new pair of shoes in six months time so better start looking Mm -hmm. so I just want to shout out to one organization that has been kind of tackling this waste issue of shoes obviously if the shoes are made up of lots of different components then when we come to recycling shoes that basically becomes the impossible it's Mm. how do you recycle a shoe that has been made up of like 10 15 you know 65 was the estimate different components especially if some of those are non-biodegradable you know tiny how do you separate them so Loughborough University have a research center and they have been working to create methods of recycling shoes and they've been linking up with the organization is called smart s-m-a-r-t but they're essentially the center for sustainable manufacturing and recycling technologies and Mm. recycling technologies and it's www.centerforsmart.co.uk if you want to have a look but they've basically they've been researching and developing a way of recycling shoes obviously we can't if you want to manually separate all the components that would take a very long time so what they've been doing is shredding shoes so shredding them so they're really really tiny components and then they've been separating the components based on weight and density so they've been using machines like I don't even know what to call them because it's very techy but they're like big air vats and they basically suck out the materials at different stages as they're falling down the vat so mm. if you think the denser heavier materials fall first and the lighter ones fall slower then they suck out the lighter ones and they've been able to roughly separate out all the different materials which is amazing because we can then go on to reuse those materials so you know shredded bits of leather can be reused into other leather products bits of plastic and you know they can be reused and all, all these sorts of things so there are technologies that are kind of emerging onto the scene obviously that is a lot of faff as mm. well and I think one of the things they got from their research was that shoes need to be made differently yeah. <laughs> they need to yeah. not be so complicated and easier to you know take apart and recycle it's a start so yeah that's great something to think about I guess so back to the environmental impact though so obviously leather a main fabric that is used in shoes And I don't know if you know about how leather is processed, but there's a process called tanning, which essentially makes leather soft and pliable and malleable. So obviously leather comes from cows and various other animals sometimes, but mostly from cows. Mm -hmm. And obviously if you think of the cow's skin, if you put that straight on your foot, that would be quite tough. You wouldn't really be able to shape it properly. So there's this process called tanning and essentially they use, I think it's chromium, the chemical and it softens the fabric 
And they can also use chromium and dyes, like literally tan the mm. fabric certain colours. It's a technique that's been used for years, but it's incredibly harmful yeah. for the environment. Chromium is incredibly harmful. So, for example, chromium's effect on humans can damage um, people's respiratory systems. And also it's been seen to damage uh, reproductive systems wow. of people who've been working you know, in the tanning factories. Tanning waste contaminates water and quite often, especially in developing countries when factories haven't really been given a budget to sort out the waste, Mm -hmm. tanning waste is just dumped into rivers and stuff. And I've mentioned the River Blue documentary, I think, before on the podcast, but it's a really eye-opening documentary. It's all about the Earth's water and what's happening with the water Um, But I definitely recommend you go watch it if it's something that interests you because that shows about how communities are living on the banks of rivers that are being polluted with this chromium water. And just it's heartbreaking, just the kind of like Um, situations that these people are in because people are living normal life, having children and giving birth to children who have got deformities or some kind of like disability because their main source of life water is filled with chromium it's just so sad um so so this is a major impact on the environment and on people is tanning and leather tanning so really we need to be thinking about how we can either make this process better for the environment and for Mm -hmm. people or how we can find new fabrics to use for our shoes because leather is popular it is you know, lasts a long time. But if it comes at the expense of someone's life, then I think we need to think again. Yeah, for sure. But the other environmental impact of leather that we haven't touched on yet. So obviously, a lot of people who are vegan, vegetarian, or well, vegan in particular, won't use leather because it's an animal product. And so, actually, I've never said this in the podcast before, but I'm vegetarian for mm. environmental reasons. And one of the big, big parts of that is the impact of the cattle industry and just how detrimental that is and destructive to the environment it's really i mean we're not going to talk about that there's there's other podcasts for that so much research about the Mm. farming and the cattle industry on global warming it's it's huge but obviously as we've said leather is a product from cattle and increasingly we are needing more and more land to farm cattle for the very high demand on beef and also leather from the fashion industry. Obviously, leather is a byproduct, and some people feel comfortable using leather because the mm. the animals would be used for meat anyway. And so that's a totally personal choice. We're just telling you some of the information. But when we think about things like the Amazon fires last year, they are so intrinsically linked with cattle farming. So Brazil, in the where the Amazon is, is the second largest beef exporter in the world. And wow. so much of the deforestation of the Amazon, which was really linked to the fires, came because they were making more room for the high demand on cattle, meat and leather, meat and leather industry. And 80% of the deforestation in the Brazilian Amazon since '88, since 1988 was caused by converting the land into cattle pastures. So all those trees were cut down in the Amazon because of our demand put on the need for cows. There's a lot of need now and people like Fashion Revolution who we talk about all the time and people like Greenpeace are putting a lot of demand on fashion companies to Mm. be really transparent about where they get their leather and a lot of them will say things like you know genuine Italian leather 
What they maybe mean by that is it was cured or tanned in Italy, Mm. but the original cows where that leather came from could very well be the Amazon where it was deforested Mm. to make more room for those cows and brands are just not, again, big surprise, (laughs) not being transparent about those things and they're putting other labels on it. So there's a lot of pressure from from those companies and Fashion Revolution in particular to be just more transparent about where people get their leather from. So the good thing about leather is that it's biodegradable. So unlike the plastic and stuff in trainers, PVC and things, it will biodegrade at the end of its life. But there is a cost and you have to weigh that up in, you know, personally. Mm. There is a place called the Leather Working Group. If you're interested, you want to go and read more. Their aim is to increase the environmental standard of leather. So if it is a fabric you're comfortable with, there's places you can yeah. go and read about it and they're working, they work with people like Doc Martens to try and improve the standard of their leather and, and make it more, a more sustainable product if it can be. So that's, you know, that was yeah. a long rant. But. <laughs> I mean, but it's true though, because we, we have like, we've started to see a lot more um, vegan alternatives or like, yeah. because obviously there is this massive vegan trend and it is, I do say trend because that, obviously there's so many people out there who are vegan for a reason, but brands see that and see okay people like being vegan so what we need to do is hook onto that and create this trend and make vegan things mm-hmm. um so but quite often what they do is instead of using leather is like you said they use plastics and mm-hmm. pvc and things like that which you know they they are vegan that's fine but in terms of the environment yeah they're not vegan because actually if we're thinking about this holistically we've got to think about okay what are we doing to the environment? If we're yeah. destroying the environment, we're going to destroy the animals too. Like, we, we've got to be thinking about this. And there's a lot of, like, recycled plastic out there, which is great because, obviously, we already have so much plastics. Yeah. We may as well recycle it. And if we can make shoes out of it, then, you know, that's great. But that yeah. that is the alternative. So it's, it's just one of those things that you kind of have to, like, weigh up yeah. the good and the bad points because there's not really one... E- like, either is better than the other because they kind of, like, have their own... Yeah, so things like pleather that you can get that is vegan is made, it's still made of plastic, is toxic. It goes into our water systems, as we've talked about. And also, it tends to have a shorter lifespan. So whereas mm. leather is very long-lasting, which is a good thing, is one of its benefits, and it is waterproof, and it, it lasts for years and years and years. Fake leather, like the one that looks like a leather boot, but it's not. It's yeah. not going to last you very long, and it's going to end up in landfill What much, my new luxury shoes were made of. Yeah. <laughs> So, you, yeah, you really have to weigh it up. But that's what companies have been doing. They've been looking at the leather versus pleather debate for years. And they've kind of just stepped away altogether and gone on a third avenue, which is making these almost completely new materials that are rarely seen, that are coming in more and more. And mm. I know your Pozo shoes are made of Penatex, right? Penatex, yeah. So maybe we're probably going to touch on some stuff that we talked about in our fabrics episode. I can't remember what we called that one, but it was... In season one. Yeah, I can't remember it. Um, but go and listen to that. That was a really fun episode. I yeah. loved that one. And there's loads. If you're interested in the nitty gritty of like the science of how fabrics are made and all that kind of stuff, we go into loads more detail there. Mm. So we'll maybe not talk too much, but do you want to, should we share some of the cool alternative yeah. fabrics that yeah, we've so for like, shoes? Like Paula said, Penatex is pineapple leather. So this is a great fabric because essentially the leather is made from the leaves of the pineapple. Um, so it's not part of the pineapple that we would be eating. So they're already making use of a waste material that is already out there. 
and they're able I don't know I have no idea how they do it but they they manage to obviously make this into a leather looking material now my um, Pozu shoes do have are made from Pinatex and I describe the texture as like a creased leather so it's like oh, you've cool. got the leather and you've got the sheen to the leather but there's like lots of crease lines in it and that's mm. just the natural style of the Pinatex leather and it looks like it is like a real like cool vintage leather looks and, and it's long like long lasting like I've had my Pozu shoes for a while now and I kind of assumed that pineapple leather wouldn't be very strong because mm-hmm pineapples i don't know but yeah they've lost lasted a really long time and actually there's parts of the shoe that are wearing away a lot quicker than that leather part is mm. so i'm pleasantly surprised about that but yeah you can go on to pinatex um just type in pinatex it's p-i-n-a-t-e-x shall i say some other fabrics i find yeah so or as well as pineapple leather people are making shoes from other foods so you can get like an apple leather yeah made from like apple cores and they say it looks very leathery, but feels like a bit thinner and papery. And then mm. also mushroom skin. Maybe you told me about this, Karis. Moose skin. Moose skin, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like a mushroom leather that people are using now. And coconut as well. People are using yeah. um, coconut waste. Apparently it looks quite real. And again, the benefits of this is these are all compostable and biodegradable. Yeah. You can put your coconut shoes in, in your compost bin when they're done. And yeah. they will. And growing pineapples and... I mean, I'm not sure about coconuts, coconuts, but it's a lot better for the environment than mm-hmm. growing cows. Absolutely. There's cork, which is like a waterproof natural material. You can get recycled rubber. So Kara's kind of talked about this, but people are making shoes out of like recycled tires. Yeah. And even one company's in the mud of like recycled fire hoses. Oh, that's cool. And I mean, people do, the, yeah. like my shoes are made out of recycled plastic bottles. And yeah. There's people who, not just shoes, but other clothes as well, make their fabrics from reclaimed ocean plastic. So they specifically clean the ocean. Wow, the plastic that they find, they reuse and make shoes or um, other you know clothing types. Like more like lycra type things, mm. like swimsuit or sports clothes and stuff. They use it to make that. Um, so we are getting better at just figuring out alternatives. Or you can get like waxed canvas or waxed organic cotton which is like an environmentally friendly wax that basically protects it and yeah. makes it more leather-like and, and waterproof and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't use the toxic chemicals that PVC or leather tanning would use. Yeah. And and this is great. And I think probably the reason why we're not seeing lots of this in the high street at the moment is purely because of cost. Mm-hmm. Obviously, high streets want to keep costs down. And if these fabrics are new and they're emerging, then there's going to be a high cost to them higher cost than if they were really really popular but obviously high cost because they're sustainable and they're paying everyone fairly i reckon these will start to make their way into the high streets at some point because they are gaining momentum but it is that just waiting game of you know hoping that brands pick them up and and make that ethical change and make that decision to be more environmentally friendly in their processes so you know if you're listening and you're from a high street brand push this because yeah. this is what we want and we and you know vegetable leathers that's amazing there's there's also rhubarb leather oh, you cool. can get and it just like i would never have thought of like using vegetables mm. to make leather like of all things but it can be done so there yeah. are alternatives we don't have to be killing cows to wear on our feet all the time we're digging up more fossil fuels to make more yeah exactly plastic. cool so <laughs> but leather isn't obviously the only part of the shoe yeah. We also have, like you say, cotton fabric. Mm-hmm. We can have rubber or foam soles. 
Um, we obviously have all the metal compartments and then we have the joining methods, which are like the glues and all mm. the stitching that keeps everything together. So there is, a, there is a lot to think about when buying shoes. And we've kind of found that the best way to go about it is genuinely follow these brands that are putting their time and effort in to do the research, to figure out what works best and to create shoes that are good for the environment. There's not much more to say about it than that. Really. Uh, well, it might be a one-off, more expensive payment. They're going to last you way longer than, yeah. you know, Karis's ones that she had to take and get tailored. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I did the same too. I mean, I had so many shoes growing up that I just went through so quickly because they were cheap and that's what I could afford as a teenager. So yeah, so we've talked about obviously the environmental impact of the fabrics and alternative fabrics and we've talked a little bit about chemicals used in creating shoes but I just want to talk briefly about the people who make our shoes and almost what they have to go through (laughs) I guess in a way to make our shoes and like we mentioned before a lot of shoes are made in Asian countries, um, India creates a lot of shoes, China creates a lot of shoes. And as we've known from research, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, quite a lot of the time, you know, ethics and, you know, working standards and health and safety just aren't good enough Mm -hmm. in a lot of these places. Through no fault of, like, you know, people wanting to do good, but if you're not being paid enough to support your workers and you've been put pressure on you, to make clothes or make yeah. shoes for the bare minimum, then the people down the line of your production are going to get less, like, treated worse and worse. And mm-hmm. so we have we have those issues already. And Labour Behind the Label have done reports in the past about what it- what it's like to be someone who makes shoes in places like India. In particular, they did a report in India. In particular, they um, followed people in the Amber area. And quite often, what happens is so obviously we know that. Companies like Western companies say, we need, I don't know, leather boots being made. And they go to India and they say, can you make us 10,000 leather boots? This is a style. Do it, sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And the factories in India say, okay, we've got the leather. We're going to sort that out. We're going to cut it out. But we don't have... We need people to essentially sew the shoes together. And quite often, um, they will then outsource that work again to home workers. And quite often, these are women... Uh, working from home obviously it's better for them to work from home if they have a family to look after but they essentially are being paid I don't know pennies pennies per shoe to to stitch the shoes together and wow I'm an embroiderer and we've talked about this before and I stitch stitching leather is incredibly difficult what you have to do is you have to punch the holes first and then stitch through the leather. If you try to just stitch through with a leather needle, you'd find it really painful. It's still quite painful to do it, you know, with the holes. Mm. It's quite stiff. You have to have a sharp leather needle. You have to have a thimble. You know, it's it's hard work. And quite often women are being asked to, you know, they, they choose this work, obviously, because they want to support their families. They want to send their kids to school. But they've been asked to do really hard, laborious work. And it is... I, just, I don't know what to say. It's just, mm. it's painful for them yeah. and it, it's hurting them essentially is what it's doing. If you think, you know, you have to sit for hours making shoes, thinking every pair of shoes I make, I get some more money. And quite often home workers don't have contracts at all. It's literally piece by piece. Mm-hmm. You get money for the pieces you make. And also quite often companies go to them and say, we've got an urgent delivery because of the pressure of the Western brands. We need these by tomorrow. 
And so women are working into the night stitching shoes so that they can make some money because they don't know that the next day the brand might turn around and say, okay, yeah. we've got all our shoes, we don't need you anymore. And it's it's just something that I never really knew about until Labour Behind the Label did this report right. and I was able to see into like the real kind of like problems, not only just obviously the kind of ethics around working from home and not having a contract and like, but also just like the headaches, the muscle pain yeah. from just like sitting and stitching and quite often they don't get given like thimbles or needles. They right. will quite often have to buy their own ne- right. needles. And it's just, from someone who sits and sews all day, I can tell you, it's not a good job to be doing that constantly without proper support or proper pay. It's not worth it. Like, I have a high costing price for my embroidery, yeah. rightly so, because it is hard, laborious work and it takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. That's wow. a, there's another side to it, and that's that's one of the things that I think I didn't think about when I was when I was very aware of like the ethics involving the labourers making clothes and garments, and that's why I stopped doing it, stopped buying those clothes, and yet I was still buying shoes without thinking about it because like in my head I kind of thought, oh they're just made in a factory or mm. you know the soles are just glued on by a machine or I really it really didn't occur to me that someone would be hand-making these shoes, which they are, and that's why stuff like this is so important, and that's why it can't be disassociated from clothes and garments. It's all part of the same, and they are still using and underpaying women mm. in other countries to make these clothes and to make to make these shoes in the same way they're making yeah. our T-shirts. So that's really good to know, and obviously yeah. very sad. And a Labour Behind the Label have done a lot of research. They did, like, a big shoe report... I think in 2015 or 2016. And so there's a lot of information on their website about shoes in particular. And they've got case studies. Um, so definitely um, go and have a look if you're interested and want we'll, to find out more. We'll link those articles yeah. in the description, along with everything else we've said. We try and make sure that anything we've read or anything we've said, we back up with info and articles you can read in the yeah. description. So there are some brands that are trying to make improvements and mm. that we've been reading about. So both ethically in terms of garment workers and sustainably and one thing that I'm sure I'm sure we've said in other podcasts but we just want to point out that when we say sustainable we mean both those things we don't think that if it's good for the environment but treats people badly that that's sustainable we just think that's greenwashing but there are two sides to it so often brands will call themselves sustainable because they are using recycled plastic or really good materials for the environment but they are not treating their workers fairly. So we want to just make clear they are two yeah. different things. We kind of call them one because we think they're both a sustainability just as issue. as important as each other, I guess. We're going to try and touch on brands that are doing both. Yeah. But there are definitely loads of brands out there mm. that are doing good things for the environment and really not saying a lot about their garment workers. So actually, I may, I'll maybe talk about a few of those briefly to just give you an idea of the things that are going on. So people like uh, Adidas, I watched an interview with the global creative director of Adidas, and it was really impressive in a regard because they're really trying to make, they're really trying to find more sustainable materials to make their trainers with. They're obviously a huge sportswear trainer, manufacturer and producer, but they were talking a lot about the damage of plastic on the ocean and that kind of stuff, stuff that we know about. Um, and how they're using reclaimed ocean plastic to make a particular range of their shoes, which is good, and they're trying to go in the right direction, and in fact, good on you, rate them as a good 
their rating is good on the yeah. Good On You app. But really that is because of their sustainability. And that's a good thing. They're definitely moving in the right direction. But they again, they just haven't disclosed enough about if they're paying their garment workers and their shoe makers a living mm. wage. So it's great that they're taking plastic out of the ocean and making a new thing out of it. And to be fair, the shoes look actually really cool. But they need mm. to also tell us who's making those yeah. recycled plastic shoes. And the reason I guess we question brands like Adidas is because they are so big. Yeah. And it's one thing for you know a small brand to say, this is what we're doing, because we, we can kind of assume that they can manage that. And they mm-hmm. can manage to pay their workers fairly and they can manage to set up systems where it all works well. But when well-established big brands start to say they're doing this, we, uh, like Paula and I, immediately think, okay, but is that true for the whole yeah. of your supply chain? Because it's hard to kind of look at those brands and see you've just changed overnight or you've you've introduced this, now you're fine. Because it seems kind of like almost impossible that they can do that it is possible that they can do that but it we, we do have to question these brands and say okay mm-hmm. is what you're saying true for the entirety of your yeah. production line because that is what essentially is important to us yeah yes some other good brands do you want to start with any or should i share some i mean yeah i've mentioned posu i mean i really rate them they might not be your style of choice of what you'd like to wear they if you're, if you're into star wars they quite often have big <laughs> star wars oh, range cool. There's a shop in Glasgow, I think it is, called Treen, and they're actually a vegan store, um, ethical vegan store, and they've kind of gone out of their way to find vegan shoes but aren't just vegan for animal rights, but they are, like, good in terms of, like, people and the planet as well. And they've listed some shoes on their website. So there's Bava, B-H-A-V-A. There's also Good News and Will's Vegan Shoes. They're good in the fact that they're a stockist, so quite a few shoe brands, as we know with like clothing brands, aren't just based in the UK, but often based in America or other European countries. And, you know, buying them to, you know, ship abroad isn't doing anything for our carbon footprint. But if they're a stockist, that kind of cuts out the middleman sometimes to bring these brands closer to us. So a lot of these might be um, American brands initially, but you can get them on this website. Cool. Other brands that you, shoe brands that you probably have heard of as well, if you are interested in environmental and ethical stuff, is Veja. Veja? I can yeah. never say their Veja. name right. Veja, I think. They use fair trade organic materials. They're vegan. They are maybe around 90, 100 pounds a pair, which be fair some non-ethical shoes at that price too yeah to be fair when i talk about shoes being really expensive i'm like i come from a very like stingy point of view like <laughs> when i buy shoes i'm like uh-huh, i can't pay 100 pounds for a pair of shoes but actually when you think about the processes that get involved maybe yeah. i should be paying 100 pounds for honestly a pair. like non-ethical trainers are just as expensive i think yeah the good ones and boots or whatever are as well veja are really cool i love their shoes they look really cool everyone wears mm. them all the influencers wear them i think they look really cool and then a, a similar brand again not good at pronunciation womish w-o-m-s-h and i see loads of sustainability people loads of people have these shoes and they look similar to the vegas but instead of a v they've got a w <laughs> you know i think i've seen them and got confused because they're, oh, you s- thought they're slightly similar aren't they yeah they are they look really cool as well yeah, they're like, like trainers them. casual shoes they're designed and made in italy they are made from 100% sustainable and vegan leather from apple skin. So they they use like a fruit yeah. fabric. There's another similar one that we might have mentioned before is Athletic. They, they're a fair trade 
Yes. Casual yeah. trainer. They do like organic cotton and natural rubber and stuff. They're transparent with their garment makers as well. Mm. A really lovely one that I came across. And they do, I think, like sandals. They don't do trainers. And, they don't do mostly trainers. They do more sandals or summery shoes or like nice kind of classier ones. And mm. they're called Abel. I'll say it with an English accent. How <laughs> do um, you say it with an Irish accent? Abel. 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 Um, able (laughs) they're uh, really really transparent about the treatment of their workers and in fact they started by helping women who who were coming out of trafficking and they now work really hard to train and educate women and support them getting out of poverty they release all their wages and things they're very transparent about what they pay people that's one of their main things but also the shoes are lovely really nice Mm. and they're called able able yeah i think i've heard of them before as well another one if you just want like a more casual shoe that's not a trainer indosol do like handcrafted espadrilles like really nice summery mm. shoes they've got really high ethics and sustainability no i didn't find much of when i was researching is good ethical work shoes right yeah because there's a lot of trainers out there and yeah some kind of like heel styles although not many yeah but actually work shoes like black solid (laughs) smart work shoes i didn't find many of them and i'm thinking back to um i think it was josh who mentioned in the men's fashion podcast we did he's training like training chef he was training to be a chef at one point and like had to obviously have all the chef whites and when you're chefing you have to have shoes with like steel toe caps Mm -hmm. and like I, i mean that's the same for like lots of professions actually anything that you're doing industrial like hard labor work you quite often have to have you still toe caps if you're working with like potentially dangerous materials, equipment. Mm-hmm. Even. But yeah, I'm really curious to know. There's this brand who are workwear, but not probably still toe capped at all. Um, <laughs> Rothy's, I think you pronounce them. Okay, I think Rothy's. Uh, loads of people buy these shoes because I think Meghan Markle wears them. Mm. She has been known to wear like sustainable yeah, brands and stuff. Right. And they are really well known and they are a famous style as well. They've got like okay. the pointed toe. And they're like a well-known sustainable shoe yeah. brand and they own and operate their own factory in China. So they're totally in control of it. They don't they don't do what all the other brands do and be like, oh, we don't know about the, uh, we're not in charge of the, the garment makers. That's a third party, blah, blah, blah. And they pan it off. They actually do take yeah. ownership of it. They're really in control. That's I good. watch a little short documentary about them and they you see around the factory and you see the women working there. They try and be as transparent as possible. They do things like they want to eliminate excess waste. So because they are in charge of the design and the making, they try and be really clever and use technology to minimise the waste as much as possible in the sort of top fabric of the Mm. shoe. And also in the bottom fabric of the sole, the more rubbery tight material, they uh, almost, you know, like if you have like a cookie cutter and you any sort of material or dough, whatever metaphor you're using, that you're not using, would normally, in normal traditional shoemaking, just get thrown in landfill. But they take the that sole material and they re-grind it and they reuse them That's for their great. next sole. Yeah. So they really, really are keen on reducing the waste as much as yeah. possible. They also, they only ship their shoes in one box. So sometimes if you order shoes online, they come in the shoe box and then that shoe box is put inside another box and sent to you. Mm. But they don't do that. They've just tried to design one slightly more durable, recyclable, cardboard box that they put the shoes in there's not a box in a yeah. box and then plastic they don't do that and That's so they're, great, they're yeah. good and they try and be as transparent as possible with their garment makers as well and they're a little bit more expensive but they're more 
that style, like work yeah, style, work. fancier. Okay. I mean, you could, you could wear them casually as well, but they're not trainers, you know? Yeah. There was another one. Have you ever heard of all birds? I didn't hear of Yes, it. all birds. Oh, I didn't write them down. I remember thinking about them. I think they're American, but apparently they're a big sustainable <laughs> yeah. brand that I just hadn't come across, but I think it's because we are based in Britain and they're American. And I've seen the photos and to be, everyone is kind of like jokes on them a bit because they are super plain. They say they are the world's most comfortable shoes. They're actually made of wool, or one of the materials they use is wool. Okay. Um, Well, maybe they are. They're not lying then. Yeah, I mean, they do look comfy. They just look like very plain trainers. And if you don't want it to look like a crazy mech trainer and you just want a plain thing, it's it's for you, man. And um, they... Yeah, they use wool because they say wool is... I mean, wool keeps regrowing on sheep and they look after sheep and they just take the wool... And the wool naturally regenerates, and so it's right. a yeah. more sustainable fabric. A look, yeah. They also use like a eucalyptus that they turn into yarn for their foam base. They use sugarcane oh, and to make like shame. a foamy base, and they've got like flip flop type things yeah. almost entirely from the sugar. I don't know stuff. why I keep getting surprised when I find out that fabric has been made from plants because that is like the basis of fabric. Like yeah. so many fabrics are made from plants. But you just it's when you see the natural plant mm-hmm. and then you see the end result. You're yeah, like, they're nothing how, like like what I don't understand. Because these that's... flip-flops just look like normal flip-flops. I guess I don't know what flip flops yeah. are made from plastic, I assume. But Especially they, if you dye them and like... Yeah. Yeah. But they're made from sugarcane, which again, that's biodegradable. Mm. Very interesting. I don't know about their shipping to the UK, but if you're in the US... And I mean, there, there might be stockists as well of all birds, yeah. I assume, because I, there's, there are a brand I've heard of, so I must have must have seen them somewhere. Awesome. There are lots of places out there and more and more are beginning to emerge. As always, like the more people realise that the fashion industry is just not sustainable more people step up to try and make a difference and say okay what can we do about it and we really want to just praise those people who have been like going out of the way to invent new fabrics like this is revolutionary this is what we need and this is the way we need to go within this industry so if you see a pair of shoes that are made from these new um fabrics from one of these brands and you're omin and ahhing about it can we just say go for it you know yeah. if you're going to be buying these shoes anyway then go for it you know your money that you put into those companies is like a vote you're voting on how you want the mm-hmm. world to be in the future the more you support these brands the bigger they can get and the more we can push out <laughs> the brands that we don't want to buy from um, and push out those ways of working that we don't want to associate with Shall we round up then with some good ways to look after the shoes you've already got because as we say yes. time and time again Loved clothes and shoes are last. And the Mm. thing that is most sustainable is the thing you've already got. Exactly. So as I'm learning, I just need to take care of my shoes. I mean, to be fair, I don't have that many. So that's why maybe my dogs are getting Mm. holes in them. You know what? Another thing I never said. Again, it's just because I have some sort of weird gift that I was born with. I don't know. (laughs) I got a gorgeous pair of walking boots in a charity shop. Can you have you ever heard of anyone buying walking boots in a charity shop? Walking boots? No. No, not and they are so beautiful. And so I had walking boots that I got when I was about fifteen, maybe younger, doing my Duke of Ed for the first time. Went to a specialist shop, bought them, and they are pretty ugly. I'm not gonna lie, they're very grey. I think they've got a couple of purple <laughs> I mean, stripes. Walking boots are walking aren't. boots are not the prettiest. No. I mean I'd had them for years and I'm now 10 years older than that for sure and that I still had them and they're still fine and I because mm. they were fine and it's not like I walk every day I love hiking but I don't do it every day 
So they were still fine and my feet hadn't really grown. So there was no real reason mm. for me to spend a lot of money on a new pair of hiking boots. Plus, no one really looks trendy when they're hiking. Like, no, if they no do, looking at they're lying. So I was in the Lake District last year, I think, November, maybe. To be fair, it is the Lake District, so that's where you get walking boots. And I saw this pair and they were so beautiful and they are like a brown leather. I don't know if they're real leather. I probably wouldn't buy new leather. But again, these were secondhand and they were so beautiful and they fit me. And like, beautiful in terms of, of a hiking boot. They were way, way nicer than the ones I bought at 15. Mm-hmm. I just thought they looked really nice for walking boots. I took them to the till. I think they were £30 secondhand, which is for walking boots is a good price. Yeah. For a secondhand shop, that's maybe expensive. And the girl said, oh, these were only brought in this week. The person bought them and they'd only worn them once and they weren't quite a good fit for the person, but they left it too long to return them. Oh, wow. So they gave them to the charity shop, but they brought the receipt to the charity shop as well. And I think they were at least triple the price that I was paying for them. And they'd only been worn once. They were in really good condition. And again, this is just, I'm not bragging, but I am a little bit bragging. I don't know how it happens. I don't know how it, I mean, to be fair, I was just thinking about it though. I don't go out of my way to go into charity shops a lot. So maybe I need to go into more charity shops and broaden my horizon. And You know, I think I introduced the tips that I was going to say and then I've never read the tips. Oh yeah. Shall I read them? Yeah. <laughs> so here's these we tips digressed. I promised you about how to take care of your shoes so they last longer. And then I talked about charity shops and got very distracted. <laughs> So this is stuff I learned today. I've never heard of these before. And these are from Fashion Revolution. They give some really good advice. So you can use a little soft brush or an old toothbrush to clean the sole of your trainers. Um, and that gives you much deeper clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just dip them in warm soapy water and wipe away the excess dirt as you go. So a good way to keep your trainers clean. If you've got like a suede shoe or even a suede bag, they recommend using a rubber brush that's specifically made for suede. So you need to, you know, try and find one of those. Um, and they will not only help remove the dust and the build-up that the suede sort of typically attracts because it, it's kind of like a softer fabric, um, but it will also revive it. So it gives it a new lease of life. So it's like a special suede brush. Yeah. If you've got some leather shoes or, again, other leather items, you can use a special leather cream and it keeps the leather nourished and moisturised. Like yeah, because leather has to be... Yeah. <laughs> I learned this from the repair shop if anyone watches the repair shop it's not to do with yeah. fashion but it's about upcycling or you know reviving old items but they okay. do use like leather creams to right, like yeah. revitalise leather very interesting okay and so it's they say to make sure you sort of buff the leather with a clean cloth after you condition it but don't use it on vegetable leather or suede it's just not made for that so if you're okay. in doubt you can actually there's like a there's a website. Um, if you're not sure what to do, you can email service at the dash restoring r e s t o r y dot com, and they'll give you some okay. advice. Great, it's great. This is a good one. Have you ever had shoes that just smell a bit, and you mm. don't want them having smell when you put them in the bottom yeah. of your wardrobe or something? You can use tea bags. Just put some tea bags in, Ooh. and they I don't know absorb the smell or something, but they get rid of odors. That's really interesting. Yeah, you know what I used to do when going back to my new look shoes. Because mm-hmm. their fabric was really rubbish. I don't know what it was, but it was some kind of like faux leather. If I had like a black pair of shoes and like the fabric used to rub away and then you get like the cotton or mm-hmm. the, the fabric in this like yeah like, lining, I used to get a black marker and like <laughs> colour it in. Because <laughs> I was like, it's really obvious, but I just colour it in. No one will notice. They're not looking that close. Um, again, back in the day. But you know. I mean, that's a good way. That's a good tip. I don't know how like waterproof it was, but. Right. They recommend using like a shoe tree to keep the shoe in the shape that they oh, are, like a special little 
Like I, I can I can picture it, but I can't describe it. Yeah, like a, like a mulch tree. tree but yeah, a tree. Your shoes, and that sort of stops them getting squished at the bottom of your wardrobe. Which yeah, fair. that's where mine are. Um, if you've got any like metal bits, that, if you've got a snazzy buckle or something on your posh shoes, um, or if you've got like hardware in your bags, just use a dry cloth to keep it the shine as much as possible, so you mm. can kind of polish it. Um, and they actually tell you not to use baby wipes on your oh, shoes okay. or your bags or whatever. And they say it can actually do more harm than good because the special lotions in it, they can contain just chemicals that are not good for the fabric. Try a damp cloth with the specialised cleaners for leather or suede or whatever. Yeah. Um, but don't use baby wipes. I'm sure in the past I've probably done that. Uh, yeah, I've definitely done that in the past. Yeah. So it's good to know. I remember even um, Adam had a pair of shoes once that they, I mean, he never got rid of them and I, oh, it really annoyed me. Um <laughs> But they were, like, falling apart. Like, yeah. he'd walk and the sole would, like, flap. Yeah. Oh, horrible. And he... <laughs> I think he duct taped them together at one oh, point wow. because he just wanted... To, I mean, this was student days. Like, we are, you know, standards are slightly higher now. Yeah, oh, I just remember they really annoyed me. But he wore them with duct tape on. I mean, I don't know why you didn't want to get rid of them. But, yeah. but I wouldn't recommend that. But maybe... I don't know. You glued yours together. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, shout out to Ruth who glued my shoes together in her kitchen once. But Gorilla Glue. So my Birkenstocks that I got in a cherry shop, mine are the ones that have the little in-between-the-toe bit that hold them. Yes. I don't know how to describe it. But that little bit in-between-my-toe came out. While I was at my sister-in-law's graduation in Lincoln, which, if you know, has a very long hill you have to walk up and down. So I was walking up and down all day, hobbling around with my shoe that was falling apart. And so we Gorilla Glued that back together. And it's been amazing. I think it was probably stronger than it was at the start. I've so. got Gorilla Glue, actually. I've never used it for shoes, but I use it for my Yeah, I mean, it stitching. does what it I don't glue my embroideries together. Just <laughs> do have it. <laughs> to my a... loyal customers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the stuff, you know what? If it's going to make it last longer. I wouldn't, yeah. do, I wouldn't duct tape them, but I would glue yeah. shoes because you can't see it. And you've mentioned before about taking your shoes to a cobbler. If you just yeah. don't know what to do, if the, sh- if the sole genuinely is falling apart, they tend to work with, like, leather shoes or, like, mm-hmm. you know, with a really... I don't know what shoes they are, but they've got really hard base. Yeah, it's like almost yeah. like they're made from wood or something. But yeah, you can take them and heels as well if you snap your heel. It's never happened to me, but it happens in movies all the time. So yeah. it must be a thing. Yeah, you can. I'm sure they repair them there as well. So they probably just use a glue. Yeah, take it to a specialist. That's what they're there for. Mm. There's the baking soda thing. You can look into that. Baking soda is a great cleaner. And then they, their final tip from Fashion Revolution is um, your shoelaces. So oh, yeah. particularly in trainers, you can get all kinds of dirt and dust in there because you know there are all kinds yeah. of bits to your shoes and you can't just wipe them off so they say to remove the laces soak them in warm soapy water um, and if it's white you can have a little bit of stain remover in there if you want to whiten it up yeah and you can use an iron <laughs> to iron out the creases if they've been through the wash i'm not ironing my shoes but if that's your deal you, you go for it go for it whatever um, makes your shoes last longer yeah so no shame if you've got fast fashion shoes or yeah. She's from a brand that maybe isn't so great. I for sure have pretty much all mine. I don't own any ethical mm. shoes, but I am going to make them last as long as possible. That's my goal. And I'm going to use all these tips and take them to a cobbler. That's great. And also, obviously, shout out again, buying secondhand, but also swapping shoes with your yeah. sisters, your friends, your aunties, your your <laughs> brothers, your fathers, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah. 
Cool. That was kind of fun, learning about shoes. and Yeah, and again, like, there's probably so much more that we haven't covered that we could cover. Yeah. We probably only touched on some things, especially into, like with the manufacturing process. There's a lot more to it. So if you want to learn any more, just get in contact. We are on Instagram at hearts.onoursleeves. Um, or we actually have an email, which is contacthearts.onoursleeves. Um, and we will respond. So, yeah, do contact us. We love getting your response to the podcast. It's really encouraging to know that you're listening and you're sending us questions and you're sending us articles and it's really helpful because we're all in this together and we want to make the world a better place and we just want to be here to help you do that so thank you so much for listening and And we're really inspired by you we see so many of you that have followed us and we see what you do making your own clothes and sharing info that we haven't even seen yet about stuff that's happening in fast fashion industry sharing you sharing podcasts with friends We're learning from you as well, and we're so grateful. So thank you so much. Amazing. Yes, absolutely. Great. See you next time. See you. Bye. Bye.